1: another episode of Wookie Radio, and actually, our first episode here on Sorcerer Radio. Uh, we are the Smugglers Three. Uh, Ken, Derek, myself, Mike. How's everyone doing?
0: Pretty good. Fantastic.
1: So, uh, we're excited to be here on, on Sorcerer Radio, um, bringing you all things Star Wars. And if you've heard my voice before, it's because I'm also with Eric and Kylan, one of your intrepid trio over at Mighty Marvel Geeks. So, uh, um, we're we're going to bring some craziness, some zaniness, uh, just like we do over at, at Mighty Marvel Geeks. But this is Wookie Radio, where we talk all things Star Trek. You know, Xenomorphs, Cylons. Okay.
0: Maybe a Dalek or two here or there. All right.
1: We do talk all things Star Wars. And when we do...
2: Miss Bustin' with happiness. See you in just
1: a second. So, um, why don't we go ahead and get started? Uh, it's not like we didn't purposely not talk about this last week, because we're saving it for for this show, but it's just going to happen to work out that we're going to bring it this show. And Ken, I'm going to let you start it off.
0: Well, at this point, everybody should know that they've announced that the next standalone movie for the um, Star Wars universe is going to be an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. Uh, now, Variety, uh, hmm?
1: wait, 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 still rumor and speculation.
0: Well, and, I, and I'm not I, saying that.
1: Much- I'm not saying that because I'm a Disney cast member and I can't talk about rumor and speculation. <laughs> That's park. That's on the park side. Lucasfilm has not officially announced this. Yes, so, but
0: everybody else in the on the holiday and on the in the world has announced it. <laughs> so still doesn't they've not shot at, this down yet. At
1: time of this recording, it has not been confirmed.
0: Yes, yeah, so, um, it looks like the next standalone movie after Han Solo is going to be an Obi Wan Kenobi movie, which is going to be interesting to see because um, it's where they're going to do the Obi Wan Kenobi. Is it going to be his time on Tatooine? Is it going to be um, during the Clone Wars? Will it be when he was trained? Go all the way back to when he was a Padawan again? Um, no uh, one knows because as of right now, there's no um, script. They don't even have a writer announced for this. Um, they do have. Um, this was all be, according to Variety. They actually announced they're looking at. Uh, let me find the name again. Uh, sources told Variety that Disney. Uh, this is sources. So told them that Disney is in early development on a film centered around the Jedi Master Obi Wan Kenobi and are in talks with Billy Elliot's director Stephen Daldry to direct it. Okay. So you, you said other than that, sources. All in. You know yes.
1: what? Before. D- Twenty-three. there were sources saying that Tomorrowland Speedway was going away, and that's where the Tron attraction was going to be. Yeah. According to sources, as I'm air-quoting, and I realize I'm air-quoting and no one can see it, except for the three <laughs> of us, it's it's not, just because there's sources does not mean it's official. Yeah.
0: Well, this is one of the uh, many movies that have been um, laid, rumored to have been in the works, period. Ewan McGregor has said multiple times in multiple interviews, is that he would love do it, coming back to do Obi-Wan Kenobi again. Now, um, whether or not he is, no one knows. He's not uh, confirmed nor denied anything. He's not even said that he's in talks yet. So, um, But fandom.wiki.com had a list of some of the pros and cons possibly of Obi of McGregor coming back. Now it says, why should um, McGregor play Obi-Wan again? Um, a lot of people look at the prequels and um, said that you McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi was actually one of the bright, shining moments of the prequels. And people loved his portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and uh, a lot. A lot of times, and uh, McGregor clearly had fun doing the role, and he's a talented, well-established actor. He recently wowed audiences with a dual role on last season's Fargo, um, so it's not like he doesn't have the chops for the job. Then it also might be nice for McGregor to shine in his own solo adventure. If the script and the director are favorable, it could be a way to bring his vision or bring this version of the character back into the mainstream. McGregor is certainly worth um, worthy of a good Star Wars film. Seeing him show up on the big screen is, is reason enough to champion his return. And then on the cons against him playing, it says why uh, McGregor should not play the Obi-Wan again. It says there are those who feel that McGregor's inclusion in the Obi-Wan film will only serve as a reminder of the prequel trilogy, which I don't know any fans that are out there that are trying to forget the prequels, but hey, seeing <laughs> um, McGregor as the classic character might further connect these new Star Wars films to the previous entries that are not held within with high or held in high regard. Plus, having an Obi-Wan film mean, or film means we might get more prequelizing um, um, more prequelizing, which I don't understand what that says. It says read explaining things that didn't need to have explained. So yeah, it's like, oh, that's the idea. Is having another Obi-Wan film, would that really be explaining something that really didn't matter anyway? But then again, that's looking at all the um all the solo films like Han Solo. Do we really have to know Han Solo's backstory? It's not something we actually have to know, but something we want to know, you know? Exactly. Um now it says while you McGregor is still young, um, it's questionable about how many films he might actually be able to commit to at his age. If Obi Wan, if an Obi-Wan um, film is to be his last venture as the character, then that's not so bad. But if the film is a big success, is Disney going to want to do some sequels? What are they going to do then? Which I don't see him as a major problem, because if had, if it is adventures while he's on Tatooine, he would be aging, and he's nowhere near Al Guinness' age yet.
1: Right. So he's got a long time to go. But he is at the right age to pick up for the first couple of years on Tatooine.
0: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and um, there's nothing ever been written anywhere that said Obi-Wan stayed on Tatooine the entire time. Now, we can pretty much assume that he did because his job was to um learn from qui-gon and protect luke so we can pretty much assume that he never left tatooine but there's there's never been confirmed about that and we don't know um where did he go on tatooine did he stay just within a certain amount of distance luke or did he actually travel to other places on the planet or what happened
1: um we do know what the two issues uh was issue Ten and issue twenty of yeah, uh, something like that. Of the Star yeah. Wars, the Marvel Star Wars title.
0: Yeah, but how much time did that actually cover? Was it just two adventures, or
1: yeah, yeah, it was just two adventures. Yeah, just too little.
0: So they they filled in some things. Like also on Rebels last season, we saw um, his fi- his final confrontation with um, Darth Maul.
1: His
2: disappointing final confrontation with yes. Darth Maul. What, We're waiting there, for the epic battle we, that we takes three, that three
0: moves a, and it's done. We call that a confrontation. Yeah, really. <laughs> it so it will be barely, interesting to see where they go yeah. with this. But this is. not the only spinoff that Lucasfilm is possibly considering. And Derek, I think you had some information on that.
2: Yes, well, uh, the article in the Hollywood Reporter that Ken just mentioned uh, unofficially confirmed the development of the Obi-Wan movie, but it also reveals that Lucasfilm was also thinking of working on spinoffs for Yoda and Boba Fett. Uh, The the article doesn't offer much information and it's unlikely that another confirmation will be made anytime soon since Lucasfilm is already at work on Last Jedi, Episode 9, and the Han Solo spinoff, and possibly a Obi-Wan film once it's officially announced. (laughs) Uh, If the studio really does decide on developing a movie for either of these characters, it's likely that Lucasfilm will release its confirmation after a year or so. Uh, So we could possibly get a Yora or a Boba Fett movie, or both. Uh, And there was, fans have been waiting to get a Boba Fett movie uh, since Josh Tranquil, Trank made his own Boba Fett test sizzle reel, so what's a few more years to wait? However, uh, I would like to have one caveat that Josh Trank does not do a Boba Fett movie. Uh, Trank's completely off of it. Yeah, yes, and should stay that way. Now, the other interesting bit of uh, rumors is that there could possibly be a Jabba the Hutt Star Wars movie in development. Uh, see, everybody keeps saying the confirmation of the
1: Obi Wan Kenobi film, but
2: as we, yeah. as Mike, as Mike has established, it has not officially been.
1: Confirmed uh, at, at the time of this recording. Right. It, uh, if, if it was confirmed, you're going to hear me put a disclaimer at the beginning of this show saying, We talk about this and it's been confirmed. It is happening. Right. But at the time of this recording, to the time it appears here on Sorcerer Radio, it has not been confirmed.
2: And neither have the Boba Fett or Yoda films possibly yeah. in development or uh, the Job of the Hutt spinoff that variety. Has mentioned uh, a job of the Hutt movie might seem out of left field, but his life would be ripe for a story exploring the seedy underbelly of the Star Wars universe. You could really do some interesting stories with that. I think. yeah, well, figure with uh, Yoda,
1: you've got nine hundred plus years.
0: Yeah, right. I don't, I don't know if I'd um, between the Yoda and Boba Fett both. I'm le- those are t- the two major ones that I um, hinted earlier. That I'm not sure if I want a story about their origins. I om- I like the yeah. mystery, the fact I that do you too. don't know exactly what's going on. Right, so, Boba we know where his original origin is but right. actually I think it was either Paul Bateman or Kyle Newman I heard a theory of once of a possible story for Boba Fett to put the mystery back under the helmet you guys hear this one no mm. imagine um, you get the Boba Fett movie starts off in a cantina and you just see um, feet walk up or you see the, from the knee down someone walk up behind Boba Fett you hear a blast the helmet hits the ground and just from the knees down you see someone pick up the helmet and walk out and it basically takes up the mantle of Boba Fett and once again now you have no idea who's under that helmet. Hmm. So someone basically stole the mantle of Boba Fett from him, but you never find out who it is. And then the entire sh- movie is done with the helmet on. Wow. Hmm. Well, if and you... then we get because remember what made him really cool in Empire and Jedi was the fact that you had no idea who this guy was. He didn't even have a name for at the in Empire. He was just bounty hunter,
1: right? Yeah, but we knew it was Boba Fett because he was named in in the hall in the holiday special. Yeah, and, and the figures it... gave him the name Boba Fett. Yeah, even though he wasn't uh, yet. Yeah. Yeah, but but we didn't, didn't, know, yeah, we didn't, didn't know, know who, who Boba Fett, Fett yeah. was
0: that time. Yeah, the hol- now, anybody who didn't catch the holiday special just uh, randomly watching the movie. He was just, who is this random, who is this bounty hunter guy? Right. And so it made him so cool back in the day. And now it's almost like they've taken the mystery away, took some of that uh, out of the character. And Yoda is similar. It's like, how, we have no idea what created this little green guy, where it came from or stuff. I, I almost like the mystery being there. Right. And,
1: and uh, you know. Well, to, to me, uh, we, with Boba Fett, we, we have the the origin, if they stay with Boba Fett, Jango's yeah. son, we have it from Attack of the Clones. We exactly, get, we get some of it in season four and season five of Clone Wars. Right. Yeah, but he's still he's still young. Yeah, right. so
0: we do still keep some of that mystery in the fact that between then and Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, we don't know how he actually built his reputation.
1: Right, right. but if you also see you know, if you go back and listen to um, Be Geeks, it's in the Early days of Weebie Geeks, where we talk with, um, with Jeremy Bullock. He mentions, okay. uh, without going into iTunes and taking a look exactly, he mentions the theory, his theory of a uh, Han, maybe Han and Boba were, or Boba Fett was part of the group that ran with, in the circles with Han and Lando. Yeah. And that, possibly. And that's why we see Boba Fett having some sympathy towards Han.
0: Well, also this is something that could have been added into the, story we got later about misunderstandings of Star Wars fans. If you look at just what we have on screen, everybody assumes that Han and um Boba Fett are enemies, but if you look on the screen, Boba Fett was just a man doing a job. He's a bounty hunter. Anybody right. that anybody that um if someone's willing to pay, he'll collect anybody. It was nothing it was not personal between Han and Boba Fett. Right. As right. far as we can see. It was just Han solo had a large bounty on his head so Boba Fett wanted that bounty.
2: And obviously Han does not want anyone to collect that bounty on him, so that's why he would be a you know, trying to keep away from Boba Fett. Right.
0: Yeah. There was a no real animosity between the two of them. Other than the that Boba Fett's chasing him. <laughs>
1: and there goes so, the Empire again. It be
0: interesting to see that. Yeah, like you said, maybe give them a backstory that's more together. Or I look back that maybe that neither one of Hans heard of him but never actually worked with him. Possibly, uh, yeah.
1: Possibly. And obviously... That may help. May, maybe...
0: together, but they are...
1: I said possibly, but could be too. It's Boba... F- oh, our theories are wrong because Boba Fett's trying to scramble. Maybe it's Boba Fett trying to scramble, not the Empire. Because you broke yeah. up uh, again. Mm-hmm. This uh, is what we have issues with, you know, with I'm too our,
0: close to the truth
1: could be very well could be
0: I don't know about the, the third one there the Jabba the Hutt movie I don't know if I want to I've not seen a really good Jabba CG no yeah yeah because if you look at the prequels, when they have shown Jabba, it's not been great. I mean, there's been plenty of time to fix that since then. But there's just something special about the Jabba from Return of the Jedi, the actual physical puppet. I don't
2: know what you're talking about. The uh, the Jabba from New Hope Special Edition was just perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh, we geeks episode number 18 is where we go and talk about, uh, talk with, uh, Jeremy Bullock.
2: Okay. Oh, that's way back. Back in the day. That was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 It was
1: it was a fun conversation though. Yeah. So, um,
2: yeah, but- I don't, overall, I don't know how I feel about a Boba Fett movie. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't mind it if we see, see the transition. I mean, we, we know the origin. We, we know he, he's heading down that road because of seeing his father get beheaded. Right. Um, and whatnot. It, it could be, if it's again, like, um, like the Han Solo film, it takes place in between. Yeah. Let, right. Let's, yeah. L- let's see how he does actually become a bounty hunter, how the reputation does happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Let, let's see why Vader has to say no disintegrations <laughs> yeah. is the fan theory right that he was on tattooing and disintegrated Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru
0: hmm. interesting that's interesting yeah um, well also it comes down to who do you want to see play Boba Fett do we bring in a Daniel Logan or do you bring in Timur Mortensen to play an adult Boba Fett
1: well I, th- I think it d- depends on where we get to um, I, th- I, th- I mean if it's Boba Fett that shortly after the events of the Clone Wars and pre-Rebels, if it takes place during that time period, which I would be okay with as well, because then that yeah, would help bridge cool. that would help bridge some of that gap. What was he doing at the tail end of, of the Clone Wars into the creation of the Empire, leading up to the events of Rebels? You now the first season of Rebels, what was he doing? Because there, there's what almost a 17 year gap there,
0: something like that. Mm.
1: Um, then yeah, leave it as Daniel Logan. Daniel Logan's sitting about. The right age for for something if it takes place right after Revenge of the Sith, or actually no, if it takes place five six years after Sith, then then he's the right age.
0: Well, and here's just, another idea. Just do we take him. um, do we take the idea of a Jabba the Hut movie and mix it with the Boba Fett no. and actually have Fett working for Fett working for um Jabba, and we're, it's we're, a story of Fett going and collecting bounty.
1: Well, well, why do we need I a could Jabba? See that? I, mm-hmm. See, I don't want a Hutt movie. Well, well, well no, well, that's we're, what we're, I'm like,
0: saying you don't make it a Jabba movie, but you make Jabba. The um almost like the um a crime lord and ba- or which he is right um, setting boba out so it's a Boba movie but Jabba's the one that uh, that's giving him the mission so right
1: so instead of just a straight Boba Fett movie make it about the bounty hunters guild and then something we, like that and then we yeah, bring in
0: like that it can work. and
1: then we bring in the bounty hunters that we see on the on the executor yeah that and more yeah so then sure.
0: then that gives you um actually that gives you some good um
1: some of the bounty hunters uh, fighting back too and
0: forth and stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. Well, you can bring, yeah, there we go, bring in Cad Bane. Right. Everybody's been screaming and, to see more Cad Bane.
2: And that would also make sure that you don't ruin any of the mystery behind Boba Fett either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could see more Sanjay
1: Ventress. We could see early, oh. Yep. Well, no, if that, if I if would say Because Actually, we've
0: seen the... Or Asang. Or
1: Asang. Or Okay, Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we see the the one who had the, the saucer on his head.
2: That's Cad Bane.
1: No, not Cad Bane. Cab uh, Bane had like oh, a, oh
2: oh oh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about and I
1: don't remember. Yeah, his he had name. the dogs. He because he, 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 he took his because ha- he took his his hat off and used it like a saucer he, sl- yeah, saucer sled, Yeah, right. I don't remember his name.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um but you can have a lot of the Bounty Hunters fighting back and forth for the bounty possibly.
1: Yeah, but with that cuz cuz something like a um um two three part movie just based on the Bounty Hunters. Yeah. yeah. Mm, Get Greedo yeah. in there. And, cr- yeah. and, and create and create a, a Bounty Hunter trilogy. That would be kind of cool.
0: Where Yeah, you put Boba as the main of main character, but all the other Bounty Hunters are characters in the story. Yeah. I could see maybe that. that. Maybe actually doing that as a trilogy, that'd be kind of interesting to do. Um, maybe after episode 10, to give the main saga a break for a couple of years, you do the Bounty Hunter trilogy every other year, and then come back to um, 11, 12, and 13. Yeah, I'm just checking I mean, this about... is putting it 10, 15 years out away from now, but you know <laughs> Disney's going to want to keep this going for as long as they can.
2: Well, they, they have said as much, yeah. They want to do, like, one movie a year
1: for however long it lasts. And seeing it with exactly. that, they could they could pull a Lord of the Rings and shoot it all at once and break yeah. it out. Yeah, they could, yeah. Uh, I'm checking Marvel Unlimited um, because they have all the Dark Horse comics as well from Star Wars. Okay. And I'm trying to see, because I thought this might be a, a way of them bringing in a uh, history or bringing something from the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, from the... <laughs> The old expanded universe into the current canon. I know it's, I thought there was a bounty hunter's book. I know they did quite a few. There Boba was Fett, there was quite a few Boba Fett books. Yeah. There
0: well, there Blood was a Ties. bounty hunter trilogy. I think in the novels. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: so. But I thought there was something in the comics too that they could pulled pulled source material from. There must have been. Uh, oh, there's
0: plenty out there. <laughs> yeah. There,
1: there, are, there are quite a few minis on Job of the Hut too. Mm-hmm. Embo. Uh, that's
0: the one we were trying to remember earlier.
1: Yes. Uh, I love to embo. And was awesome. Yeah, he was pretty cool.
2: I don't think we really got enough of him.
1: No, no, I don't think we did either. Okay. Yes, there was, um, they had a series called star Wars, the bounty hunters, It was similar to Jedi where they pick, um, one, ba- it, each one. So it's part of a series, but it's a, each book is a one shot. Uh, cause you have one that's RR one that is, uh, what's this one called? Um, S- scoundrels wages, hmm. which could be interesting. Uh, one that is, um, connects kills, connects kill. Uh, those are the three that I see listed, and they're on Marvel Unlimited. It's Star Wars, The Bounty Hunters. But I mean, to me, I would almost rather see instead of a Jabba the Hutt film or maybe even a Yoda film. I, I love, absolutely love the series. Supposedly, uh, they do exist because of the Clone Wars. I would love to see a Republic Commando movie. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool. They or have
0: just a, any. Or any movies made similar to like Rogue One, where it's a standalone story with brand new characters. Right, yeah. Yeah. That take place somewhere else in the universe. So if you want to do like a mob movie, fine, do one. And maybe we maybe you put it on Narshada, but you don't use any characters we actually know. Oh, well, right. Actually, like, expand the universe.
1: Well, like I said, w- even with the Rogue Commando, I mean, it utilizes the characters from the game. Um, pull them and let's bring the squad to life, and, and let's put them. You know, let's do a movie about a couple. Th- you know, about one of their more infamous missions, and maybe, maybe may do it right near the transition from Revenge of the Sith to the Empire and see how they be- make that transition from Republic Commandos to Imperial Commandos Yeah, as well. That could be interesting.
0: Well, taking the, this direction, um, we've seen um, Rogue One was our straight war movie. It was our Band of Brothers, Saving Private Ryan style movie. Right. right. What other actual styles do you, would we want them to actually try with? Do we want to see maybe like a mob movie like a Scarface or a um, Godfather style movie in the Star Wars universe. You want to go more that. of like a Western where it's um, a smuggler around the wild, wild West somewhere to, or the star Wars version of the wild, wild West, which is the universe in general. But what other types of movies we would, we wanted to see them play with. See, that's uh-huh.
1: why I think with the, with the Republic commando, it could be that Wyatt Earp ish type type thing.
0: Possibly. Or, or, or the risk of um, being too similar to what we did with rogue one already. Right.
1: Yeah. I think it'd be different though. Okay even even though you could have it end with them stand you know taking audience with either Vader or or the emperor at the very end standing near them or being in the same shot with them as a finale of okay they're now imperial commandos um i i think you know doing doing something almost like a um oh what was what was the movie about the SEALs that went after bin Laden?
0: Oh six or something like that? I don't know. I don't remember the movie. Was it Zero Dark Thirty? That might have been it, yeah. Doing, actually going with doing something like that. Or we could you could actually take your idea there of the transition and um maybe do a um story paralleling maybe the um the five oh first going from who was it? Commander Wolf was in charge of the five oh first under Anakin and seeing mm-hmm. his transition to leading the five oh first Legion of Stormtroopers under Vader, Vader's fist. Or you get Rex, right before the um, Order 66, and then Rex's battle to get away from the army after Order 66 drops, and he doesn't follow. <laughs> and the list of the outcasts, the who was it? It was four or five of them that had cut their chips out. Yeah. You give that story.
1: You're, you're How com- did
0: Rex survive?
1: Your commanding officers of the 501st. Um, you had Anakin, uh, General yeah. Pong Krell, briefly, Ahsoka Tano, Clone Commander Apo, Clone Commander CT. Five seven six seven. That's Rex, right?
0: I don't know. Let me look it up. Hang on.
1: I'm looking myself.
0: Yeah, I'm on StarWars.com right now, so let me pull some yes, it
1: data. It's Rex. Okay. So your commander was a Poe. Your captain was Rex.
0: So that actually makes it even better. You watch Apo um, make the transition over, and Rex decides not to follow orders. Yeah. And you're still running right underneath Anakin with the um, in the transition of Anakin over to Vader. That would be an interesting movie putting all of that together because be, yeah. to come in.
1: Well, I, I'm looking at Wookiee at Um and they're saying, under the leadership, uh, the 501st uh, is divided into many subunits, uh, such as Torrent Company, uh, which served in the first battle of the Clone Wars, under the leadership of, of Rex, um, trying to see when a Poe kicks in. Um, so I'm wondering if Poe kicks in after the whole thing that takes place during the unofficial Season 6 where they've discovered the chips. Oh, yeah. Um...
0: No, I think that was actually officially... That was during... Season 6 was official. That's canon. Right. That story arc, I think, it was in the actual canon stuff Season 6, wasn't it? I believe I so. Believe so. Yeah.
1: But this, this doesn't say when Apo took over. The story really doesn't list Apo.
0: Yeah. Well, I know Rex was not a commander, so he was, um, a captain, so that's underneath commander.
1: Right. I'm trying to find out more info about Apo. Uh... They really don't list? Okay, there we go. Apo. Um by 19 BBY which is before the Battle of Yavin the final year of the Clone Wars APO had been promoted to the rank of commander while still serving in the 501st so I'm not sure then when so that's that's got to be around the time that um Rex had to step down potentially uh it's it's got to be did they mention um Following Tano's departure from the Jedi Order, Rex served alongside her during the Siege of Mandalore. Um, at some point during the Clone Wars, Rex changed his mind and decided to believe Fives. He also, he removed his inhibitor chip and as a result did not comply with Order 66 when issued. Fifteen years after the end of the Clone Wars, Rex still is alive and was living in a modified AT- ATTE on Celios with Commander Gregor and Commander Wolf. Eventually he fought us with Ahsoka again during the rebellions campaigns against the oppressive reign of the Galactic Empire during that time he befriended Jedi Purge survivor Canon Jarrus and his apprentice Ezra Bridger Rex would help the Spectres or the Spectres and Phoenix Squadron in their struggle against the Empire and efforts to build up the Rebellion so around the time that Rex got Rex left would be the time that Apo got promoted and they put the commander in instead of captain
0: yeah that'd be an interesting story to do the, that whole thing yeah
1: yeah, that would. Yeah, it would.
0: And it would still get your clone, com- your um, Rebel, Rebo- Republic Commando stuff in there probably, too.
1: Right, right. Now, we, we've talked Clone Wars. We've talked Rebels. We've talked the movies. Um, StarWars.com had a great article. When should you introduce your kids to Star Wars? Well, <laughs> That's day a good one. a question for any parent. Only if we had a parent on this show. Oh, wait. I guess I'm that token parent. Um For me, my daughter never had a chance. She was she was born on a Friday, and when she was born, Clone Wars was still being shown on a Friday. So even though she was less than 24 hours old, she was laying on my chest while I was watching an episode of Clone Wars, which happened to be, I think, season two. It was the episode that was almost the Clone Wars equivalent of Night of the Living Dead when they're on Geonosis with the zombie Geonosians. <laughs> so I was like, "Man, what a creepy episode!" But we watch it every year. Um, but right before Force Awakens came out, we started we started watching the movies. I believe she was. F- five at the time. It was just two years ago. So yeah, she was five when we started five or six. Well, she was five turned six that year. So, um, which is about the time that I saw the movie. Cause I saw the movie when I was sick. I saw the, I saw star Wars when I was six, the year that it turned seven. So, I mean, I have no problems with it. She watches rebels. Um, we have gone back and slowly started watching clone wars. Um, she hasn't, it has clone wars. Hasn't sucked her in yet. Cause I mean, there's a lot there to take in. Um, but she's been doing Rebels. She's been doing the Lego Star Wars shows. She's been doing Forces of Destiny. Um, She loves the movies. Her top two are Force Awakens and Rogue One. (laughs) Um, It's, which is fine. I mean, those are her movies. Those are the ones that she's seen in the theater that has the impact. She's seen everything else, almost everything else on on DVD, on the TV. And it's not, I'm sure you guys can feel the same way. It's not the same as when you see it on the big screen. Yeah. Well,
0: let's like, I start when we start, talked about um first time we saw Star Wars way back at the beginning of the show here my first experience i remember the first thing i remember of watching Star Wars on the big screen was return of the jedi and that still to this day is one of my is my favorite Star Wars movie
1: yeah now f- for for me um i am going to say going back this 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 article or this interview is, is a great great little read it's on starwars.com um and it i think we could put the well yeah let's put the link to this in the show notes um, on the podcast side okay. of things. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's a great little read, but I mean, it's almost the, uh, um, the, the, the the two is you have um James they don't give his last name is a is James G that's all i know um he he he's a publishing and book nerd who makes a living by wrangling words together into some sense of coherence this is his bio off starwars.com yeah. he's also it a contributor Jamie Green
0: Jamie Green, Jamie
1: Green. Uh, he's also a contributor to Geek Dad and runs The RoarBots where he focuses on awesome geeky stuff that happens to be kid friendly On top of that, he also co-hosts the Great Big Beautiful Podcast, which celebrates geek culture by taking people by talking to people who create it. With two little ones and a vast Star Wars collection at home, he's done the Unthinkable. He allowed them to play um, he, he has he's allowed them full access to most of his treasure from the past 30 years uh, yeah pre 19 I'm glad this disclaimer disclaimer is here pre 1983 items excluded and, and I agree with that um, now Michael Moreshi is a comics writer and novelist best known for his sci-fi trilogy Rosh Limit his debut novel Black Star Renegades is set to be released in 2018 so uh, is that a Star Wars book? No. It's in the tradition of the Star Wars, but it is not a Star Wars book. So, I'm gonna say, being the token parent on the show... What um what type of questions would you have of me in, in regards to parenting and, and Star Wars?
2: Well, let's start with the basic
1: or, one. So Or or introducing the kid. Yeah, introducing my kid to Star Wars. What uh what order did you do it in? Uh I actually did it I, I did not stick with the order I usually say. Um we went four, five, six, one, two, three. Order of appearance. But when I showed her four, five, and six, which now, yeah, even though Empire and Return said Episode 5, Episode 6 in the theater, when I showed her Star Wars Empire and Return, I showed her the original theatrical version like I saw it in the theater because I have those on this, as the bonus disc from when they re-released the special edition, like six months after they came out, six months to a year after they came out for the first time on DVD. They they did the the two-disc bonus with the original theatrical, so yeah. she, she hasn't seen the original trilogy, she has not seen the special editions. She's only seen hmm. what I saw originally.
0: Ah. Yeah. She well, saw it. Yeah.
1: She saw it as close to unaltered as possible. Yeah. So now when we re rewatch, she can watch the special editions for all she wants and then I'll deal with those. Why did he do this? Why did he do that? Because he could and because suckers like us were paid to get it. That would be interesting uh-huh. though to see to see
2: her thoughts on that. On the yeah. special
1: editions. Yeah she's kind of want to watch them first she'll watch rogue one and force awakens with no problem she hasn't asked to watch the originals but but she's seen them on TV but usually we're catching like the tail end so it's after it, it's it's after um most of the changes except for like return of the jedi right um but she never really questioned the end of how come there was no Yub, what happened to the Nub song which i'm sorry they should have kept part of that yeah but how is it that that's hard to, how is that's it hard the, to even find on Y'all, oh, believe me, I know it, it, it's there. But um, the special edition, you, you have it's out there. I, I just I haven't found them myself, and that's what I'm looking for is the non, yeah. the unaltered soundtracks. So, so yeah, uh, I guess before we move on any other questions about introducing my kid to, to star Wars.
0: I don't think so. I mean, like I said, all of us saw it when we were six, seven, somewhere in that time. So it's like, as long as you, I'd figure as long as the kid's old enough to understand what's on the screen, it's just yeah. like any other movie you're going to show them. If, um, your kid's not going to understand it, or you think it's something that's going to scare them or something, you don't show it to them. Right. You know, when you know, your kids, you know, when your kid is old enough to, um uh, Understand what's going on and realize this is a movie.
1: See, I I didn't get the shock value with her of Darth Vader is Luke's dad uh-huh. because because she had already she'd been asking the question she had asked and and she was already aware mm. so she That's she had been, well she had some books that questioned it now Queen Amidala is is well we read the books I'm like and Anakin is Luke's dad because she she needed some because there there were some. Comments in the book that she wasn't understanding, so we had to explain it. So the books kind of ruined it before the movies did. Mm. But yeah, like I said, you know, she was less than 12, 12, week, 12 hours old, well, oh, 24 hours old, and she didn't stand a chance. <laughs> so, and, and I will say she is a a very proud member of the Galactic Academy, which is the kids' costuming group. Cool. Awesome. So she is in as a Jen Arso. Nice. So, um, wow we head down the road of since we're since we're talking about what we know what didn't we know in regards to the theatrical release in in their unaltered theatrical version for DVD. Um, Screen Rant had a a great little article I think Derek brought up in regards to uh, maybe some things us, the fans, don't understand? Yes. The article
2: is titled, 10 Things Star Wars Fans Don't Understand About Star Wars. It's actually, you might read that initial headline and get offended, but it really actually does make sense. There's a lot of things that Star Wars fans argue about or uh, there's a lot of controversies and things so let's cover some of those for example number 10 the expanded universe was never canon we've said that before i think we just said that on the last episode actually um a lot of fans had a problem when disney bought lucasfilm and they decided to throw out all the years of expanded universe content um because fans a lot of fans had treated it as star wars canon however uh, while it is true that Lucasfilm put significant effort into minimizing conflict between the two continuities, Lucas himself and other Lucasfilm employees have specified on several occasions that the expanded universe is a similar but separate continuity. Uh-huh. So, yes, I have always said that. That's why I never really got into the expanded universe as much as uh, a lot of other fans have.
0: Yeah. Well, th- That's where they came up with the idea of multiple levels of canon. Right. Like, they they always said G-level canon. What did George Lucas consider canon was the movies and the Clone Wars. That's it. Yeah, then you right. got, um, the next one was Expanded Universe, which was movies and Clone Wars and all the books. Right. And you get well, a little lower and you get even more stuff.
2: <laughs> but yeah, but then it all gets confusing. And then, yeah. But Luke, the only, like you said, Lucas only said the movies, uh, the Clone Wars, and he did say Shadows of the Empire was the only thing that was actually in canon. And and they've used things from the Expanded Universe, uh, especially in like the prequels and stuff, uh, like making Coruscant the capital of the Republic. Uh, but it's still, you know, they didn't make it exactly, take it exactly from the Expanded Universe. They took elements of things from the Expanded yeah. Universe.
0: Well, it was the same thing that what Disney is doing with the old Expanded Universe now now. Lucas right. did the exact same thing. So nothing really changed other than Lu- Disney saying specifically that these are now legends. Right. Because um, look at a character like Quinlan Voss was brought in in the comic books back in the 90s and um, Lucas eventually put him into the um, Clone Wars. Right. Um, and then and now you look at it, it look at Grand Emerald Thrawn.
2: Perfect He's example. been a
0: character in the um, expanded universe since 1991 and uh, then this past year on Rebels, they brought him into Rebels 20 years ahead of where he would have been in the original novels. But we are getting the same grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh yeah. Right. It's the exact, Lucas did the exact same thing Disney's doing. It's just, everybody made a huge big deal about it back when Disney said, Oh wait, we're taking the expanded universe away. They didn't take right. anything away. They didn't throw out anything. It's no. all sitting there. It's like a giant encyclopedia that they can pull anything they want out of.
2: Right. But none of it is official until no. they make <laughs> until it, until it they pulled. decide to make it, which brings us to the next issue. How Canon is established. Now, officially all new star Wars content created after April 25th of 2015 is considered canon and shares a singular continuity maintained by the new Lucasfilm Story Group. While most of the Expanded Universe, now Legends, content is no longer canon. For the most part, Star Wars fans understand this, but it still causes some confusion, because there's still the fans that want the Expanded Universe to be official. And there are things in the Legends that are sometimes labeled as canon pending status, uh, like Dark Darth Plagueis, uh, or Plagueis, whichever, how would yeah, you prefer? Plagueis. Plagueis, yeah, Plagueis. yeah. Plagueis. That's
0: the way it's pronounced in the movie.
2: Right, yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, there's a book, a Darth Plagueis book that details the rise and fall of Palpatine's master, Darth Plagueis. Uh, many have argued the events of this book should all be considered official because Plague- Plagueis himself is referenced twice in Star Wars canon in Revenge of the Sith and a novel Tarkin. Uh, but it's a bit of a stretch to say Lucasfilm ought to import the story for in its entirety when canon material references legends material. It doesn't pull in all of legends. It references only specific elements. So Plagueis' act- existence and his actions specified in Revenge of the Sith and Tarkin are canonical, but nothing else from the book is yet recognized as official. Uh, and also, you can't canon is not established based on any statements or opinions of specific specific characters even in the movie. For example, right. Lando Kyrissian uh, said that the Millennium Falcon is the fastest hunter junk in the galaxy. That does not mean the Millennium Falcon is the fastest ship in all of Star Wars. It just means that officially, in official canon, Lando considers the Falcon to be a fast ship. Well, who would?
0: Well, also... I mean, if,
1: everyone's going to think yeah. their ship's the fastest. Exactly. That
2: doesn't mean it is.
0: Well, the interesting thing is it says all Star Wars content created after April 25th, but, but that doesn't really fit in because any Lego stuff that's out there, it's, it's in a weird Lego... Have you guys heard about the way they're free yeah. Freemakers? The Freemakers are in a weird place because it's not not canon and none of the Lego stuff is canon but any character that appears in the Lego, the way I've heard it explained, any character that appears in the Freemaker adventures which take place right after Empire Strikes Back um, are characters that are canonically in the universe at that time even though right. the adventures they're having on that show don't ha- don't um, actually happen in the real universe. So, so things like um, this next season it's been confirmed Hera is going to be on the Freemaker adventures from Lego. Right. Which mm-hmm. basically makes it so that in canon she has, uh, she has lived at at least as long as the end of *Empire Strikes Back*. Okay, it's interesting what they've done with this uh, with the canon idea with the um, Lego thing because Lego's allowed to do pretty much anything they want. That's why you get like the Millennium Falcon in the Lego movie,
2: right? Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a totally different thing. It's not part of canon, but they did make the *Free Maker Adventures*. Um, uh, like as close to canon as you get without actually being in the mo- in the story.
2: Mm. So yeah, so I guess the Lego stuff would kind of walk that line. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, number eight is another thing that a lot of people don't really. Realize George Lucas isn't responsible for your favorite parts of the original trilogy. Uh, as we mentioned, I think we talked, just talked about this in the last episode. Uh, George George Lucas provided the large brushstroke and did most of the heavy lifting in getting film off the ground. But when fans think of the traits that make Star Wars definitively Star Wars, they are likely
1: thinking of something brought to life by somebody else. Uh, but, it, but this one paragraph, I love how it starts. Lucas's only original trilogy script, A New Hope... <laughs> originally titled just Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. it underwent massive
2: revisions. I, I, I like that, Lucas wasn't very talented with dialogue, as we found out three decades later in the prequels. Uh, so he asked his friends Gloria, Cat and William Hayat, Hi- 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 uh, who are co writers from America and Graffiti, to finish up, this, freshen up the script. Like the have a favorite line in A New Hope? Odds are they wrote it and not Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> and the look
0: yeah, and yeah, we feel, were talking about that last show too. I think yeah,
2: even the look. Feel of the trilogy should also be credited to others. For example, uh, everybody should know who Ralph M- Ralph McQuarrie is, who uh, created all of the uh, concept art for for Star Wars and everything. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, he was all on the first one. The second or um, Empire and Jedi had him and Joe Johnson both.
2: Right. Who it says was also Joe Johnson was also uh, responsible for such things as the Adat, Boba Fett and the Millennium Falcon, along with Ralph McQuarrie. And then, of course, this should be uh, your. Favorite part, Mike. And oh, of is. course there's the audio. Uh, the impact of John Williams' score cannot be overstated, but the Star Wars sound effects are possibly one of the most revolutionary and unheralded advancements in cinema at the time. Wow! I would so uh, prior, much love
1: to get access to this sound library.
2: I know. Prior to Star Wars, most movies recycled the same studio sound effects kit. Which, if you listen, sometimes you can you can actually you know hear familiar sounds and stuff. Why is to this
0: day the Wilhelm scream is? Everywhere.
2: Exactly. Uh, then the new library, which is still used by Lucasfilm today, went as far as to co- combine various ambient noises, like an elephant's trumpet and the sound of tires on the wet pavement. That combination, that gave the TIE fighter a scream. It is the unique sounds of Burt that truly made the universe come to life. Which, uh... yeah, I mean, if you watch any of the old, you know, any of the uh, documentary footage or anything, you can really see some of the cool stuff he's done. <laughs>
1: I don't. I don't know if I have a TIE fighter screen. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there it is. There should be right here. I'm looking, looking on StarWars.com. They have the soundboard, right? So there should be one on here at least.
1: Should be. Uh, just don't, just second. I just don't have one. Now I have Death Star Head. ambient. <laughs> nah, that's awesome. I have three of them actually. Uh-huh. You want speaking of audio, interior of a snow speeder. Oh, here you go. Don't hear it. That's the stealth TIE Fighter. Yeah. That's how, how they truly sound in space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, have like six different versions of the TIE Fighter.
1: Yeah. Well, let, let's move on uh, since we're getting Yeah. There.
2: Yes. Uh, now, this Off is track. another interesting one. Number seven. Jar Jar Binks isn't supposed to be likable. Uh, basically, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who admits they like Jar Jar. Uh, it's not although, that
0: hard to find one.
2: Uh, although there are those who empathize with the blundering misfit. <laughs> He's often blamed for ruining Star Wars. The thing is, uh, if you really notice, nobody in Star Wars likes Jar Jar either. The Gungans, <laughs> the Ga- the Gungans banished him from Otogunga under threat of death, should he return. Uh, and then throughout the rest of the movie, he exasperates just about every character he interacts with. And most importantly, he's also the one who proposes granting Sheev Palpatine emergency powers, which leads to the creation of the Empire. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) that was that wasn't good Uh, so not to say that this should change magically change everyone's opinion on jar jar uh lucas definitely fell short of making Jar 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 more palatable uh, probably Lucas intended Jar Jar to be more of a lovable idiot, but, uh, yeah, he just, he was just way too overboard for that. He's embarrassing.
1: Well, he, <laughs> he said, he said when he got, um, made a Disney legend at D23, which is, I think the D23 shortly after he sold, right after he sold, uh, Disney, the film, he said that he, his inspiration for Jar Jar Binks, look-wise, came from Goofy.
2: I totally see that. So... Look-wise, yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, Jar Jar does not match up to Goofy no. in character wise. No. Now...
0: Actually, it's a very similar character. The problem is the setting. Star Wars is not a not a world for Goofy to live in. Right. If you look at the actual character of Jar Jar, though, he is very similar to Goofy yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah
2: definitely. Yeah. So, the next thing is actually an, another problem with Jar Jar, uh, and that is that... We're on my page for... You yep, mean, CGI? CGI isn't inherently bad. Uh, so, a A lot of the problems that people have with the prequels is is the cgi uh it became they became the poster child for bad cgi but of course the cgi wasn't the only issue with the prequels just the most obvious and not all of it was even remotely bad uh it's actually baffling just how much amazing cgi went into those films that was so well executed but wasn't noticed at all the complaint usually suggests that the use of cgi replaced the use of practical effects but that's not true either the prequel films actually use more Models and built more sets than the original trilogy, but you know there were there were problems with some of the CGI, of course. Uh, and the films probably could have benefited from a little restraint in that area. But there were far more issues than just the CGI. Uh, some small changes to performance and dialogue with the same quality effects would have meant far fewer wagging fingers. That's true. That's a lot of the big problem is the performances and the dialogue. Yeah, I think the CGI is just the easiest thing to point your finger at. But
1: well.
0: I can't think there's only one or two things that I thought the CGI needed some extra work. Like I said, Jabba needed a lot of work even still in the prequels. Yeah. But other than that, like um for all the um mud that slinged the Jar Jar, if you actually watch the character of Jar Jar being a hundred percent CG character in nineteen ninety seven or ninety nine when that came out, that was yeah. amazing what they did with Jar Jar.
2: Yeah, actually. It and was. all the other ones. Yep. So problem uh issue number five. Midi chlorians weren't ah, excuse me. Weren't a new idea. <laughs> midi-chlorians weren't a new idea in the prequels. Uh, everybody, you know, that's a lot of thing that a lot of fans uh, mention as something they hate about the prequels was the whole midi-chlorians thing. Uh, many people feel that they add a sense of nepotism to the force and strive to find a scientific explanation for something that was always supposed to be mystical. But it was not a new concept, uh, really, if you think about it. It's just a new word that hadn't been spoken before. The original trilogy made it very clear that people may be more sensitive to the Force and others, and that a strong Force sensitivity could be hereditary. So, here, the midi-chlorians... Here,
1: th- here I thought it was just gas buildup. up
2: <laughs> The midi-chlorians weren't actually an explanation that changed the foundations of the Force, uh, but just a new word used to quantify for the audience just how attuned to the Force Anakin happened to be. Uh, considering he was also conceived by the Force and had fast enough reflexes to pod race, it may have been a redundant explanation and should be attributed more to Lucas's fumbling dialogue than Anything else? Although I'm still bothered by the fact that uh, Anakin was conceived by the Force. But anyway, that's uh,
1: another story. Well, in, in the entertainment, well, in the film business, there, there's always been the each director wants their Jesus movie. Mm-hmm. For Spielberg, it was E. T. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I can um, see that. For for Lucas, it was the Phantom Menace, or or mm-hmm. in, in, well, in many ways, it was the the prequel trilogy. Yeah, What well, was his Jesus story. I just, uh, it, 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 a, and it, the midichlorians there, but. Well, how, how do you explain the immaculate conception of Shimi? Well, we're going, we're going to go with midichlorians. What, whether right. it whether it was the concept of it existed in the original trilogy or not, it came to life in the prequels. Right. Mm-hmm. And like they said so, here,
0: it's very possible that this was basically just was something Lucas decided he needed to explain a little more than, um, than he actually did. Right. He yeah. could have just said that, oh, he's very strong with the force and said he decided to actually explain why he's so strong with the force
2: and maybe that's something he always wanted to explain and he just didn't get a chance to until oh, he, then
1: he couldn't use the word mutant because that's owned by fox oh <laughs> wait 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 at the time he did the films it was still with fox right. he could have used mutants
2: well I don't think the fantastic I don't think the mutants were fox back then
1: though yeah in well, 1977 I don't know but were. at the time but at the Time of the prequels.
0: Yeah, the prequels, yeah.
1: Because uh, the first one was episode one. I always get this confused.
0: Episode one was released in '99. Yeah. Was it? When 99? did X1 come out? Yeah, when did X Men 1 come out?
1: Uh, X Men? Uh,. Two thousand, yeah.
0: So they would have, yeah, they would have already so owned the um, rights.
1: Yep. Yeah. So saying, but I'm not saying.
2: Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Here's one that is the one that's the most interesting to me. Now, when the Force Awakens came out, there was a lot of people that were whining that, oh, it's just a rehash of a New Hope and all that. But what they fail to realize is Star Wars was never original. Uh, George Lucas didn't set out to make Star Wars. He wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie, but couldn't get the rights. Instead, he decided to make an incredibly similar movie without the Flash Gordon branding. The initial script treatments were basically a complete rip-off of Flash Gordon, but each revision slowly modified the story, blending in elements from Akira Kusawa's Hidden Fortress and many of Lucas's other favorite movies until he eventually ended up with what is now A New Hope. Lucas himself even says that if he hadn't read Joseph Campbell's The Hero with Thousand Faces, he might still be writing Star Wars today. Star Wars, Star <laughs> Has also always riffed on itself. Return of the Jedi repeats plot beats from both Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope on many occasions. When fans complain that The Force Awakens rips off A New Hope, they're right. It was full of Star Wars references and also drew from similar sources for inspiration. So of course the similarities. It's the way. It's
1: that way by design. It's going to be. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be the same way with uh, Last Jedi. It could be. Yes.
0: Yeah. There's going to be certain beats that is just. That's part of being the middle story of a trilogy right
2: and you know it's just that's what always killed me about people's complaints of the force Awakens. well it's just it's just it's not original like neither was star wars if you really look at it yeah but that's you know that's not what we love about it there's so much more that we love about it which the force awakens uh handled so that's all i had to say about that moving on uh number three the jedi aren't always right uh you want to say something nope okay Mm -mm. uh for a thousand generations the jedi knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old republic That's the first thing audiences ever heard about the Jedi. Jedi were heroes, guardians of peace and justice. Unfortunately, a thousand generations can be undone in only a couple of decades. While the Jedi are definitely the best intentioned of heroes, the Jedi Council is very much responsible for a series of poor decisions that eventually led to the collapse of the entire Order. Uh, Palpatine is secretly Darsidious, and it is clouding the judgment of the entire Council. But what are the Jedi working so closely with the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic in the first place. Why are they? Uh, This entanglement is exactly why the Jedi are supposed to exist outside of political influence. Uh, Their dogmatic adherence to the Jedi Code also alienates Anakin, who had struggled to gain acceptance from the Jedi. He's marginalized and distrusted by them, despite his repeated attempts to work within their paradigm. His immediate reaction to discovering Palpatine was a Sith Lord was to run to Mace Windu. If he had felt comfortable coming clean to them about his fear of losing Padme, he may have done so before it began controlling him. Palpatine may not have ensnared him so easily if he had not been the only person that Anakin could confide in over the loss of his mother and the only person willing to help him save Adme. So, um,
1: the Jedi are not perfect. Like grandfather, like grandson. Exactly. Emo to the help.
2: <laughs> so... so the other next thing star wars is still owned by lucasfilm lucasfilm was purchased by disney every fan knows this the common misunderstanding on this point however is that disney is now calling all the shot uh it would definitely be naive to assert that disney holds no sway over lucasfilm decisions it is also overly simplistic to assume that the acquisition is going to result in the disney disneyfication of star wars uh disney owns a lot of companies this is to ensure the empire can provide diverse content that was an interesting way to phrase that mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction was the first Miramax film greenlit after Disney acquired Miramax that's I didn't realize that that's interesting <laughs> interesting
1: <laughs> film for that to be the uh, first too, huh it, it'd be mm-hmm.
2: hard pr- it'd be hard to assert that Pulp Fiction is overly Disney fine that's for sure uh, if they if they wanted to simply cash in on a big budget space movie they could have created
1: their own unique universe it Damn it, excuse me. Well, uh, just for the record, Miramax is no longer owned by Disney. Are they even around anymore? Yes. Yeah. Uh, currently, they are the parent company as B N Media Group. Hmm, interesting. So, um, so there, we got one more, right? Yes. Most important one that people seem to forget:
2: Star Wars has and always been first and foremost for the kids. We all fell in love with Star Wars when we were kids. Yep. It's Easy to forget that. Yep. Uh, there are multiple generations of fans, uh, George. Lucas has made it clear on many occasions that he created Star Wars for kids. Lucas isn't even the only one to have said that. J.J. Abrams said the same thing about The Force Awakens. Uh, this mantra has been reiterated by various writers, producers, and actors from all three trilogies. Uh, while it's true many of the movies can get a little dark at times, that's not uncommon in children's movies, especially movies from the era that Star Wars started. Ending Story, Labyrinth, and The Dark Crystal all got plenty dark at moments. Yes, they did. It doesn't have to be Street to be targeted at kids. So obviously there's a strong appeal to adults, uh, but that doesn't mean it's targeted primarily at adults. Just means that fans want something more mature out of Star Wars shouldn't expect to see it in mainstream content. With the new approach to Star Wars canon, don't be surprised to see more material written for the adult audience down the road. Like any work of fiction, there are many ways to interpret Star Wars. Some may be more accurate than others, but that doesn't mean some fans are better or truer than others. It just means there's a little something for everyone in the star wars universe and that's that's one of the things i like, definitely one of the things people tend to forget yeah so yes you know you can hate the ewoks or jar jar binks or those new porgs that are going to be in the last jedi but those aren't created for you those are created for the younger audiences yeah, it is and sometimes we, we
1: just gotta deal with it
2: yeah i mean you know there's plenty of other stuff that's not geared towards the kiddies that's good for us i mean I mean there are some you know the the whole thing about like you said mentioned earlier the moment where you find out that vader is luke's father that was definitely not for kids no yeah, that, that, that was kind of heavy yeah that warped my little mind uh-huh. as a child so i think those those are some interesting things that it, it's good to keep in mind because a lot of fans seem to forget about those things
1: yep. yep well that's gonna bring us to a close for this week um any final thoughts before we wrap it up nope
0: i don't think well the, i don't um, I want to thank Sorcerer Radio for letting us be on here. This is the first time we've been on here this week.
1: Well, first time ever on here. Yeah. So we we think, uh, as, as Ken said, definitely we thank the the staff of Sorcerer Radio for inviting us on and having us um, fill a slot on, on Saturday nights here on Sorcerer Radio. Um, so we, we definitely say thank you and uh, hope we have a, a nice long run here on the on and the network.
2: Also, I would like to just in advance thank uh everybody for listening yeah so
1: well until next time
0: give the evacuation code signal all right cut the chatter jake i can hold it pull up no i'm all right, I'm all right. Ah!
1: i have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of the r two unit i've lost our two Oh, my God.